I want your expectations to be high. Are you guys with me? Because the Spirit of God works in accordance with our expectation. Now, there are a lot of people here that is not free. There are a lot of people here um, that might be visitors. There's a lot of people here that might not be even Christians or might be uh, antichrists, might be satanic in nature. Our goal is not to go into competition with you. Our goal is just to present the one that has set us free. Uh, many are here that has been set free from drugs, that has been set free from the occult, that has been set free from any form of darkness. And uh, that is what we are here to preach to you. Say with me, preach deliverance. Now, a lot of times when we do deliverance, people attack us and I have ministers and so on that say stuff and they say, oh, you know, mustn't preach deliverance, you must preach Christ. And, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and these are mature people that are saying it. So I had to get a scripture for it and I'll just, I'll get to the scripture just now. But I first want to, in fact, let's put it up, Luke 4 verse 18, and I'll use this as a foundational scripture in the King James. But I want your expectation to be high. Say with me, lose my reputation. Say it again. Say, lose my reputation. Okay, it's sounding a bit better up here. Thanks. So Luke 4 verse 18, listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to, number one, preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance. Say with me, to preach deliverance to the captives. So there's a place where you can preach deliverance. And it is necessary in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you guys with me? Salvation incorporates three areas. It's salvation, deliverance, and healing. So when Jesus preached, He preached salvation, deliverance, and healing. Many just have salvation, but not deliverance and healing. Many has a salvation, a little bit of healing, but no deliverance. And the church has become used to not having deliverance. Because they have preachers that cannot do deliverance or they don't even believe in deliverance. They have preachers that don't have a drop of anointing on them or oil on them to even confront a demon. So they sit comfortable in their chairs. They sit comfortable in the church and the demons are flourishing all over. And then they, once we mention the word deliverance or demons, they say, no, we're looking for a devil behind every bush. We're looking for a devil behind every bush. Are you guys with me? Or we glorify Satan when we speak. You don't glorify Satan when you speak about him. You glorify Satan when you don't speak about him. I'm going to say it again. This Luke 4 verse 18, the whole passage where Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That whole passage has the image of deliverance on it. To heal the brokenhearted. To set, to preach deliverance to the captives. The word captive is in the Greek what we call a prisoner of war. It is somebody that has been captured while they were in a warfare. Are you guys with me? And a prisoner of war is miserable sitting in a cell. They have hatred, they have anger because they've been captured and they know their only, their only uh, 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 end goal is death. So they are miserable. And Jesus said, listen, 
they are those who have been captured by the enemy. And deliverance simply means this. It is a rescue mission we go on. To rescue those who have been taken captive. Are you guys with me? For we do not wrestle against flesh or blood. For we wrestle against principalities, powers. The wrestle to us is not flesh and blood. But principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual, weapons, spiritual rulers in heavenly places. Are you guys with me? Meaning that my battle is not my boss. There's a spirit behind them. My battle is not a family member that's narcissistic or that is on drugs or that is abusing me or that I've been abused. There's a spirit behind it. Meaning that we have to get to a place where we understand spiritual realities. Otherwise, I'll be a surface-level Christian. Are you guys with me? Go with me again to Luke 4 verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captive. captive. Say with me, preach deliverance. How do you preach deliverance? And recovering of the sight of the blind. How do I preach deliverance? The word preach means to proclaim, but it also means to demonstrate. Are you guys with me? And people say that uh, we mustn't do deliverance publicly or in front of people and so on. Jesus did it all the time publicly. On the streets, wherever he was going, he did deliverance. He didn't take people into a private room in the back and secretly just let them confess their sins. No, 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 no. He had to do it publicly. There has to be a witness for things to be broken in the courtroom of heaven. Witnesses has to be present when there's a renunciation and a confession of sins. Are you guys with me? Then it has the power of agreement, which is a legal term to break a legal contract in heaven. Have your seats, have your seats. So, what are signs that people are not delivered? Well, this is not really my message. I'm just uh, going on it. But what are signs that people are not delivered in a church? You'll usually see that they cannot praise. Uh, they cannot worship. They'll just stand and looking around. Um, they cannot rejoice. Nothing in them. In fact, they cannot even hear what is being preached fully because the demons will interfere. The Bible says that when, when the sower sowed seeds, as the seeds fell to the ground, birds came and picked it up, meaning the seed didn't even have time to go into the ground. And Jesus made very clear, what is the ground? It is the soil of our heart. So while words are being preached, spirit birds comes and remove seeds and the words before it even take root in a person's heart. Why is deliverance needed? So that you can serve God freely. Say with me, emotional deliverance. A lot of times when we have worked on deliverance of the mind, deliverance of the brain and strongholds and etc. But there is the emotional deliverance that must take place upon a person. Emotional deliverance is something that affects the emotions. And let me explain this. The demons...
attach themselves onto wounded emotions. Okay. Are you guys with me? Listen, the Lord spoke to us clearly the beginning of the year and we prophesied it that deliverance is going to break out. Uh, we prophesied um, that deliverance is going to break out and that's going to be the next move of God. And, uh, you know, and I think it was by March. I think it was March, April. Now we've always done deliverance. I want to just say this. We've always done deliverance. Um, we used to do mass deliverances, but uh, it was not fully really... We were plowing at that time. It was uh, kind of like frowned upon. Uh, that was before lockdown. We did it and the place was packed when we did um, uh, mass deliverances. And this conference, we're doing mass deliverance. I just want to say this. Those who came yesterday uh, went through individual deliverance. When you come here today, tonight, tomorrow night, we're doing mass deliverance. Mass deliverance has a bit of a different edge than one-on-one -on -one deliverance. And then obviously, as people are getting delivered, we'll be praying for them one-on-one -on -one here as well. And people will also minister to them afterwards. But if you want to be free, you need to lose your reputation. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can only work on that which is holy and set apart unto God. When it is defiled, unclean, and we get, and I'll get into that message tonight, when we get defiled and unclean, it means that we have touched something that we shouldn't have touched. And I'm speaking in an allegorical way. We have touched something that we shouldn't have touched and become defiled. And then we wonder, but why am I not hungry for prayer anymore? Why am I not hungry for worship? Why am I not hungry to seek God? Why do I attend church now less and less and less? Because you touched something and God has to put somebody in time out relative to their purpose. In the Old Testament, when the priest went into the Holy of Holies, they were not allowed to go in if they had a wound on them. They would be struck dead under the glory of God. Are you guys with me? Am I saying we must be sinless? You will never be sinless. But I'm saying we must be healed. There's a big difference between being healed and being sinless. Are you guys with me? Many people have emotional wounds from childhood. Or they have emotional wounds from curses that comes upon them. Pre-generational. They have emotional wounds. The moment I experience a painful experience... There's an emotional wound and immediately a demon attaches itself to it. Now you might sit under your NGO way or a Methodist way, um, AFM way and say, but uh, oh, I'm, I'm fine. Just the fact that you say you're fine tells me you're not fine. Are you guys with me? When Isaiah had a vision in Isaiah 6, he said these words. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his throne filled, and his robe filled the temple. And they were singing, holy, holy. And the scripture goes on. And then the Bible says that the Lord said, and he spoke to, to himself and he said, who shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here are my Lord. But before he can be used, something had to be done. An angel had to come and take a call to cleanse his lips. 
Are you guys with me? To touch his lips. Only once he was touched by a call, could God say, now you are a vessel that I can use. There are many vessels in the church. The Bible speaks of many vessels in the house. Wooden vessels, clay vessels. Are you guys with me? Silver vessels, gold vessels, vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor. There are many people that sit in the church and they are wooden or clay vessels. They are not vessels of honor. And God cannot use them, but God is, but God is uh, uh, omnipotent. He's all-powerful. How can He not use them? When Jesus was at His own hometown, the Bible says that He could, because of their unbelief, so if you unbelief, now just remember that before, because of their unbelief, He could not do any great miracle except lay His hands on a few and heal some. This is God in the flesh. Are you guys with me? God in the flesh cannot heal you without your permission. I'm going to say it again. He cannot deliver you without your permission. Because you own your body. You own your life. Ah, are you guys with me? We're going to go very deep this morning. Very, very deep tonight. So I need mature Christians. Meaning if you are here, it means you need deliverance. Are you guys with me? And we're going to get deep. Why? Because we've, at our church, we've done a lot of surface level deliverance. We take people through deliverance on F1, or uh, not F1 called anymore, but uh, somewhere, 201. Uh, it's our discipleship track, and we take many. We've taken, taken 2,000 people through deliverance just in that, outside of conferences. So we've taken 2,000 people through deliverance. So there are layers of deliverance that can happen to you or that must happen to you. And come tonight and you're going to find out why everyone must go through multiple deliverances. It's in Scripture. Mary was casted out seven devils. Are you guys with me? And we're going to look at the perfect number, how God is wanting us to be delivered. And you will usually take somebody through seven experiences to be delivered. If anyone says, you know, I accepted Jesus, but they've never been delivered. Or they say, I got delivered when I accepted Him. You are lying. And you've accepted for a life that is, that is third class. And not the fullness or everything that God has for you. So do you go to heaven? Absolutely. But you will not live life down here. Deliverance is to set you free to serve God freely. To enter into your purpose freely, fully. Are you guys with me? So he said to Isaiah, he said, listen. I cannot use you, and I'm paraphrasing, unless you are cleaned. Therefore, an angel is coming to touch your lips with a call. Why? Because Isaiah might have had a problem with speaking or gossiping. He was defiled. He was unclean. The moment we are defiled or unclean in the Spirit, we cannot be used by God. He is holy. Are you guys with me? And you'll see after deliverance, as we're in this wave of deliverance, how joy and holiness will be poured out upon people. I know you think, I know you think that, uh, that holiness is, I must not do that, I must not do that. No, no, no. Holiness will empower you, not that, that you don't want to even sin. Are you guys with me? It'll empower you. That you will feel convicted with anything that you now want to do and things that you were used to do that were fine. It'll just make you convicted. 
Your conviction is your truth. Mm, okay. Whatever is not your conviction is not truth to you. And whatever is your truth is your conviction. Are you guys with me? That is why some people can do certain things which others that are close to God can't do. And I'm not even speaking of sin. I'm speaking of things that are beneficial or not. Because when holiness comes, it cleans out your heart. Let me, let me ask you this question. Why do we need deliverance? If you have a glass of water here and uh, you take just a, just a spoon or maybe just a drop of sewage water and you throw it in here, will any of you drink this? Although there is sewage water in, but let's leave that one alone. Okay. But uh, just one drop. If you see the drop of sewage water going in here, you will not drink it. In the same way your spirit man is designed to kick out anything that defiles it. The problem is that our fallen nature and our flesh wants to have that. Uh, are you guys with me? I'm just trying to see how to get into, into this word. Say with me, emotions. Emotional deliverance. So emotions basically means is feelings on how we respond to certain events, to how we respond or react to certain situations. Uh, 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 uh. God gives each person the ability to respond differently when it comes to trauma. There are some here that might have been abused when they were young and they took responsibility for their lives and they chose to forgive the offender. And because of that, they remain free. Are, are you guys with me? But then there are others that have not chosen to forgive the offender and they've gone off in their whole life living through rage or anger, living through rejection. And because of those emotions of anger and rage and rejection, demons attached itself to those wounded emotions. Uh, the emotions or our emotions is the origin and the seat of the soul, which keeps us in touch of ourselves. Are you guys with me? And tonight or tomorrow night, we're going to get into deliverance as in our senses. Demons enter in by our five senses. Taste, touch, smell. Are you guys with me? Hearing, seeing. Those senses is how demons enter into a person. Come on, you're in Africa, so you must understand that many people don't even understand that eating foods can bring curses on them. I'm not speaking of halal. I'm not speaking of uh, those foods. I'm speaking of, uh, 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 the Bible says that everything we eat is blessed, but it doesn't speak it in relation of deliverance. Paul said something. He says, do not go and eat meat offered to idols. And that can mean two things. Before they were getting to idol worship, there were prostitutes there and so on. That's one interpretation. Paul didn't want them to walk through prostitutes. Another interpretation or another meaning according to scholars is that the meat offered to idols was very raw. And the meat that offered to idols carried blood. And one of the, one of the only laws that was passed or that came through from the Old Testament into the New Testament, one of the only is that we shall not drink blood. Are you guys with me? 
in the book of Corinthians. Why? Because meat that is strangled, it says do not eat meat that is strangled. Meat that is strangled is, means that it still has life and blood in them. The moment I consume it, I consume the life of someone else or something else. And there's information on blood. When Abel was murdered, his blood cried out from the ground for justice, for vengeance. When Jesus went on the cross, the Bible says his blood spoke forgiveness. In the book of Revelation, in the throne room of God, the Bible says that there were saints and their blood, the saints and the were martyred and that were slaughtered, their blood was crying out for vengeance. So your blood carries information. Every ritual of occultic practices that includes, that has a lot of power includes blood. Are you guys with me? Blood is the vehicle of power. Hence, that's why Jesus had to come and shed his pure blood. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So many people even make blood covenants, blood brothers. Uh, are you guys with me? Blood carries power in the spirit. The more blood, the more power. There was a king in the Old Testament and he was fighting against Israel. And he was losing the battle against Israel. And he took his son, sacrificed his own son, hanged him from the wall of his fortress, castle, hanged him on the wall for the enemy to see, for Israel to see. And the Bible says that Israel lost the battle. Why? So with the blood. Are you guys with me? So emotions. Uh, before I, before I get to emotional deliverance, uh, and I'm going to touch on one area in emotional deliverance that I want to touch on this morning, is what is, the, what is the purpose of deliverance? First of all, let me say this. Deliverance is not a quick fix. It's a process. Are you guys with me? Number two, it is not to shift blame or responsibility to the devil. To say, okay, but that demon made me do it. Or, you know, that's why. The, no, no, no. It is to take responsibility. The reason that a demon is in me is because I allowed it to come in. Are you guys with me? The purpose of deliverance. Say with me to set the captives free. To bring freedom to prisoners of war. To destroy the works of the devil. Mm. Are you guys with me? Why does Satan hate deliverance so much? Because when we do deliverance and you see a demon screaming out, it is a demonstration of the defeat of the kingdom of darkness. It is a demonstration of Satan's defeat for many to see. Why do we put it on Facebook? Why do we put it on somewhere, on, on places? And we don't really do that with, if, without permission and so on, but why do we put it on? Because we are proclaiming the defeat that we have and that we are working against a defeated foe. Come on. People are like, ah, oh, don't advertise deliverance. We're not advertising deliverance. We don't ask money for deliverance. We should have because people said they were going to come yesterday and they didn't come. We had a lot of people coming, but I think like 50 didn't come. I think we had about close to 200 people there. There was about 50 that didn't come. If you were one of them, may... Um, 
the curse of God, I mean the blessing of God be upon you. Okay, I'm joking. So uh, uh, we should have asked money, just a hundred rand for people so that people can actually come. But then people are going to scream and shout and cry and say that we're charging for deliverance. Please, that's going to bring in like 10,000 rand. Uh, what is that going to do to our budget of 3 million? Okay. <laughs> are you guys with me? It is to, what is deliverance? It is to take a person and to transfer them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It is to take the kingdom of darkness out of them and put them into the kingdom of light. It is for you to serve God freely with a passion. You cannot enter into your purpose fully the way God wanted to unless you are delivered. And you'll see anybody that enters into their purpose, they'll usually go through a season of deliverance. He did it with the Israelites. He did it with Peter. He did it with many examples in Scripture. Are you guys with me? So areas, listen, areas that, uh, areas that are emotionally uh, demonized or emotions that are demonized. Let me, let me read it here. And I'm just going to read a list. That's just for you to keep in your mind uh, if you can't keep up with the writing. And this is just to throw it out so that when we pray for you, this can stick with you. What are the emotions that can be demonized? Unforgiveness. Say with the unforgiveness. Say bitterness. Say rejection. Say guilt. Condemnation. Remember, these are emotions that, are demon, that can be demonized. Say anger. Be angry, but sin not. So anger is an emotion. But the moment it moves over to sinning, it becomes demonized. That anger doesn't have to beat somebody up to be able to sin. Okay, let me, I'm not going to go deeper into that. Are you guys with me? Uh, hatred, say hatred. Jealousy. Leviciousness. That's difficult to pronounce. Okay, say grief. Say timidity. Anti-social behavior. Self-pity. Painful experience. Listen, what is painful experience? Anything you have gone through that has caused your heart to pain. Demons feast on pain. Are you guys with me? A lot of people say, I'm hurting or that one hurt me. What you should actually say is, I am offended against that one. But we don't want to use the word offense. Hurt is offense. Mm. Are you guys with me? Say emotional trauma. Ungodly soul ties. Offenses. Resentment. Phobias. Fears. Emotional wounds. Sense of inferiority. Sense of insecurity. Perverse desires. Even just, even if it's in your mind. Are you guys with me? Meaning all of the above are uh, emotions that can be demonized. Now, you'll see that uh, one of them that we read there, one that we're going to get to, is say with it, bitterness. Out of all the lists that I read, bitterness is probably the most dangerous one. And they are... 80% of the church that is bitter. And out of that list that I read right now, not one person can sit here and say, I have nothing of that. If you are that, you can leave. Because what are you doing at a deliverance conference? Many times I take myself through that 
list and I'll pray and I'll see, okay, but wait, I have that area and that area and that area and I need to repent, ask God for forgiveness. I do self-deliverance. I renounce whatever spirit is associated, but why? I have to keep my house clean. And you will read a list like that and the Holy Spirit will highlight certain areas for you. Are you guys with me? Or you'll just feel convicted in a certain area. Demons attach themselves to wounded emotions. Always remember that. So let's go to, I want us to take, I'm going bitterness. Say with me bitterness. Go to, let's go to Exodus 1 verse 13. Exodus chapter number 1 verse 13. Put in the King James Version. And we have a lot of people online. I think we have about 800 or so online watching. Uh, we have people that have come from KwaZulu-Natal. Eh? Uh, who else? U USA. Angelina. Welcome. Uh, I saw Martin Riches Bay. Did I see Martin here? There. Oh, you guys behind somebody from Riches Bay. Good to see you guys. Um, huh? Netherlands. You, uh, Oscar, Yolanda. Good to see you. And uh, uh, Muscle Bay. Where's Muscle Bay? Okay. <laughs> so, where's that? Kuruman. And tonight we're going to have much more uh, people coming from all over the place. So you want to get your seat early. We're going to get into a lot of ministry tonight. I want to do a bit of ministry this morning. I'm not doing the other church service uh, uh, in Krugersdorp. I'm only doing Centurion, so we can go a little bit longer if the Holy Spirit leads. But I don't want to go too long because tonight's going to be long. Monday night is going to... Listen, with a deliverance church, we're not a seeker sensitive. We're not we're a deliverance service. I don't want to say we're a deliverance church. We're not a prophetic church. We're a church. But uh, when we do these services, you can't do it in two hours. I went to a conference. Somebody invited me to this massive conference. This preacher invited me to this massive conference. I mean, well-known, very influential. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I thought, wow, maybe God is going to do something. Um, so I sat there. And first worship started and I was like, God, where are you? With all due respect, I'm not giving any names. I'm just giving the state and the condition of the church. You know, during our praise and worship, you see people's hands raised, at least 80% here. I understand the others have demons, but at least 80%. No, I'm genuine, genuine, genuine serious. And even if you raise your hands, it doesn't mean you don't have demons. It just means that you're a little bit more mature and they are not influencing you that much. But uh, um, so, and I'm standing there and we're looking and nobody's raising their hands and there's thousands of people. And the conference started and... Uh, they're preaching, and I'm looking, and it's like 28 minutes, and they stop, uh, and they close off the service, and my spirit felt empty. I don't want you to come to encounter 
where your spirit feels empty after you've attended a whole week of conference. Dear God, you should be full after a service. Not there. We went a whole week and I felt no Holy Ghost. In fact, I stopped going. Have your seats. And uh, because when I say nothing, nothing, I eventually asked the person, I said, you're not going to lay hands? Oh, no, 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 no. No, we'll do it later. I'm thinking, there are thousands of people that have come for a fresh infilling, not for religious talk and words of human wisdom. Persuasive words of human wisdom, trying to impress people with no power. Paul says, I came to you in a demonstration of his spirit and power. A dem say with a demonstration. Not convincing and trying to talk. No, 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 no. I speak to you, Paul says, mysteries by the revelation of the Spirit. Are you guys with me? We speak mysteries amongst one another. For eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. The things that are destined for those who are walking according to His purpose. But these things, Paul says, we speak in a mystery. Preaching must be revelational. Revelation fills your spirits. Revelation moves your spirits. It makes you leave a place to say that I've been fed today. Are you guys with me? Have you, have you seen? So what are we doing at, at, at Encounter? Most of the time, what makes it, or let me say it like this, because um, we have a bit of time, is uh, it's very easy to come on a Sunday and just give a message that I've typed out or something. But to bring fresh revelation, Sunday after Sunday, do you know how difficult that is? Uh. Um, and that is where people fall into a trap and they begin to bring false teachings because they continually want something new and uh, they get pressurized and they get into false teachings. So our teachings can be weighed up, our doctrine can be weighed up, but uh, it is not easy. So many churches would resort and pull back because they don't want to put the energy and the anointing in what it takes to bring something new and to deliver it new. You see, if a message is not delivered correctly, the hearts of the people can be closed towards it. Imagine we get you to an expel conference, a deliverance conference, and no one gets delivered. I was in a church. They did a, they did a deliverance conference. You were there. They did a deliverance conference, a deliverance evening, and no one got delivered. Now, if no one got delivered, was Jesus there? Are you guys with me? Some of you look angry. Relax. Was Jesus there? And they're laying hands. Nothing, nothing happens. A young, apparently there was a young kid taken that needed help. Walked out the same way they walked in. Now you'll never get everything right the first time. Nobody that goes out to the streets and pray for people gets everybody healed the same time. Have grace on those who do deliverance. Have grace on those who prophesy. Because a prophet, once he just misses one prophecy, he's a false prophet. But you, you go out on the streets and heal. People don't get healed. Then one get healed. Now what are you now, a false healer? <laughs> Think practical. At least a prophet is taking a step to prophesy. You're not doing squat. I'm speaking of the critics. Are you guys with me? And uh, uh, missing a prophecy is not what makes a prophet false. 
It's not what makes a prophet false. The spirit of that prophet is what makes him false. Are you guys with me? And that's why they brand many as false prophets. I have never wanted to call myself a prophet. An angel came and called me prophet and that was just the fruits of our ministry. And you will see with every prophetic ministry, every without exception, there'll be deliverance. They will usually major in deliverance. Every prophetic ministry, they will major in deliverance. Because prophecy is there to deliver. God used a prophet Moses to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. Are you guys with me? Say with me today. Egypt is coming out of me. Listen, a lot of people are out of Egypt, but Egypt is not out of them. Are you guys with me? The Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, Egypt was still in them. They complained and murmured and said, let us go back to Egypt where at least we had some leeks and onions to eat. Let us go back into bondage because it was easier. Listen to me, freedom is never easy. It'll be easier to leave, Egypt, to, to, to leave freedom and go back into bondage because then the devil will provide a little bit for you. But the moment you try to break free, you're in a war. Then you need to break through a level, have victory until you, until you uh, uh, obtain the ability to go beyond that seduction and attraction towards Egypt and to get into a place of milk and honey or a place where God provides. But in between your promise and Egypt is what we call, say with me, a process. Say with me, deliverance. Say a wilderness. Mm. Go through Exodus 1 verse 13. Let's get into this. And for those that are watching, I want you to stay tuned right to the end. Watch the conference. We're going to be doing deliverance on people. We have people also behind the scenes that's going to do deliverance on you. And especially when we begin to minister. Even those online, you're going to begin to manifest. You're going to begin to get delivered. We have people and moderators and people that are not just moderators, people that have been trained up. You know, isn't it amazing today? You can just switch on a camera and reach thousands. I don't understand these churches that switch on a camera and they have five people. I can understand it starting off, but I can't understand it after five years. You are slothful. Lazy and uh, unfaithful with what God has given you. And that after five years, you still have five viewers. I, I know you guys are not getting, or you're getting offended. Okay? I will offend you all the time. The gospel must offend. That God gives a platform. Some churches think, you know, we go to Cape Town and there's this preacher here, they, they believe he's the bishop of the city. And nobody comes in or goes out apart from him, apart from his blessing. With all due respect, and don't worry if you think you know what I'm talking about, and then you might know him. If you don't, uh, don't try to guess. I don't know him. I've never met him. I just heard what he, you know, that uh, they're forbidding people to come to our conferences because we pack out Cape Town with a conference. And uh, while they're having conferences, all the people are coming to us and not attending their con. I can't help for that. We're not inviting them. But let the Spirit of God work. You know, if Benny Hinn 
comes to town or anybody that is a great speaker or that the anointing is there, I would want my people to receive from them. Anyway. Um, and then once they become threatened, that's when people now actually leave them. The moment you're not threatened, your people won't leave. Or even if they leave, you, 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 you don't own them. Are you guys with me? It's not good for people to go from church to church to church. You have to be rooted in a church. But anyway, this bishop thought he was, uh, he was, uh, he was, um, you know, he claims he's over Cape Town or the area of Cape Town. And if you want to plant a church, then you must first ask his permission. Listen, I got Jesus' permission. I don't need your permission. He said to me, go into all the worlds, preach the gospel to the poor, cast out devils, heal the sick, and uh, have your seats. He says, and, um, and if I'm just talking gently now, it's because I'm just saving my energy for, for the nights because I have a bit of pain in, in my body. So uh, I don't want to exert myself fully this morning and not be able to do anything tonight. So um, we, you know, so, and I'm thinking, okay, let's go on the person's live stream because they're the bishop of the city. I mean, they need to be big. And there's no one. No one. And I'm thinking, you know, you can say you have all this influence, but a kid sitting in your church has maybe... 100,000 TikTok followers. He has more influence than you. He has a bigger platform than you. <laughs> so that is why we push it big because there's no more TV. TV is gone and it is replaced with social media, with YouTube and etc. And that's why we go on this stuff and we attract a lot of people. We have, we have, we have hundreds watching just from the United States from a lot of other different nations because that's TV now. And for us not to embrace that would be unfaithful towards God. It would be lazy, it would be slothful. And I'm thinking these preachers, you know, pride, I'm telling you, all they can do is they can just come to me or to others who are doing good, that's what I've done, and just say, how do you do it? That's all. But the pride, that spirit of uh, pride, of Leviathan, of preachers battle with that one the most. They are so proudful, they refuse. You know to how many ministers and churches I went when we planted the church here to find out how do they do this? How do they disciple their people? I had a meeting after meeting. Even if I agreed or disagreed with them, I want to learn so that I can bring the best for people here. Are you guys with me? So, so that's why we appreciate social media. We give it also attention and time. Uh, many of you are here as visitors because you've seen us on social media. Okay, so we embrace that platform big because that's what God is using in the times that we are in. Uh, people advertise on TV, advertise in the newspapers 20 years ago. All the churches did, but now when you advertise on Facebook, you're demonic. <laughs> but they all did on, on papers and newspapers. It's just a different medium. That is it. It's a wiser medium. So it's amazing that these people will not, you know, I have, I have ministers that come and ask me help. Uh, great ministers, but then you have some that's just like, they just, uh, they just, ref they, there's so much pride, and I watch their YouTube, and I'm thinking, dear Lord, I must not be seen here, because I'll be the only one on, and then they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna see me, all I'm saying is, don't be unfaithful with what God has given you, are you guys with me, I mean, I went, the other day, I was, uh, I'm doing a minute, I'm doing a trip in, in the United States with with a lot of ministers and there's one young guy that's very big on YouTube 
So I had a meeting with him because I'm, we're busy growing ours. And in South Africa, it's very, very difficult. But the whole, everything of TV is going towards YouTube. I don't even switch TV on, nothing. We don't even, we don't have DSTV. We got none of that stuff. And I bet many of you don't either. Uh, I just have my YouTube screen that has my recommended videos, which means that's where the whole world is going to. Are you guys with you? Why not be on there? But then these preachers sit five people, six people. It's an embarrassment, quite frankly. And the world would sit with podcast show that has thousands of live viewers at a time. Anyway, uh, let's get to the scripture. Um, Exodus 1 verse 13. And the Egyptians, listen to this, made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. Say with a rigor. So the Egyptians abused the children of Israel. Next verse. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Oh, the Egyptians made the lives of the Israelites bitter. Say with you, bitter. With hard bondage. So bondage came upon them because of somebody that made them serve or work until they were bitter. Are you guys with me? Uh, 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 in mortar and in brick, in cement and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, all their service wherein they made, they serve with rigor. So we see the Israelites went through a time of being abused. They had, the Egyptians were taskmasters over them. Are you guys with me? They were their slaves. For 400 years they were slaves, but God had a purpose for them. Listen, just I'm going to get to a point now. So the Lord is saying, I have a promised land for you as the Israelites. You're bound in Egypt. You're coming out of Egypt. But just because you're coming out of Egypt, you're not ready to go into the promised land. Because you carry bitterness inside of you. And I have to get it. Go to Deuteronomy 8 verse 2. Deuteronomy 8 verse 2. And I have to get it out. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to, say with me, humble you, to prove you, say with me, to prove you, to test, that's what it means in, the, in another translation, to test you, to know what was in your heart, bitterness, whether you would keep my commandments or not. And the Lord is saying, as great as what a purpose I have for you, I cannot take you into the promised land because you carry bitterness. You're going to defile it. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Many of you are on your way to the promised land. God has a purpose. He has a destiny for you. But somebody abused you when you were young. Somebody caused you to become bitter. And God is saying, no, no, no I need to take you through a test. So that that which is in your heart can begin to come out of you. So that once I take you into the promised land, that you don't bring your baggage or demonic things into that land. Are you guys with me? Say with me, Egypt, come out of my life. Have your seats, have your seats. So the first test that the Lord took them to, let me see if I, if I can... Uh, Get into this. The first test that the Lord took them to go through Exodus 15, verse, let's read from verse 19. Exodus 15, verse 19. Many Christians battle with bitterness in their heart. 
But God has to take them through a test. This is the first test. Listen to this. And I'm only going to touch on this one. Say with the bitterness. So emotional trauma, there is a lot of emotional deliverance. There's a lot of areas as I read. And there's a lot of spirits that is attached to those areas. The spirit of rejection, the spirit of deception, the, the spirit of pride, the, uh, the uh, spirit of abuse, the spirit of bondage. Remember, the Bible says when we just read now that Egypt made them very bitter in bondage. So bondage comes the moment I become bitter. But that one raped or abused me. Yes, he did. But I have to take responsibility for my life. But you know, when we speak like this in a liberal world sense right now, they're like, how dare you say that, you know? No, no, no. You have to take responsibility for your life. Yes, that one hurt you. Or that one did you injustice. One of the greatest pains when it comes to emotional deliverance is betrayal. That one did you injustice. That one betrayed you when you put your trust into them. But take responsibility because hating them or being angry against them is like drinking poison and hoping that they will die. Are you guys with me? The unforgiveness, or let me say it like this, unforgiveness. Um, the sin, let me change the wording. The sin of offense is greater than the act done to cause it. I'm going to say it again. The sin of offense is greater than the act that was done against you to cause it. And if you're not ready to accept that, you're not ready for your deliverance. Meaning that that one has raped me. That one has beaten me up when I was young. My parents abused me. But my sin of offense is greater than the act that they've done against me. Why? Because my offense will kill me. It will keep me in a miserable life. It's silent now, eh? It is very silent now in this place. Let's get into it. Exodus 15. Let's see what happens when we keep on bitterness. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. This was when the Red Sea took them out. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. So they thought, let me read this. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancers. So they were celebrating. We have just come out of bondage. But the first test is coming. And Miriam answered them saying, Sing ye to the Lord, for he has triumphant gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. So Moses brought, the Israel, brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shu. And they went three days, so with you three days, in the wilderness and found no water. Let me say this. Many times a three-day three fast is one of the keys to deliverance. Esther did it. Uh, we see it happening here. A three-day fast is a, very, is a great key to deliverance. Remember, the New Testament, the Old Testament is a shadow of things in the New Testament. So next, next verse. 
And when they came to Mara, say with him Mara. This is the first test. The Lord took them out of Egypt. They were celebrating and thinking they were going into the promised land. But God could not take them into the promised land because bitterness was found in their hearts. So when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. The word Marah meant bitter waters. Are you guys with me? So they called the place Marah. Listen here, Marah is, is a place in the realm of the Spirit. That is an experience of life that is bitter towards you. Could God have taken them to another place that is better? Absolutely. In fact, you'll read just now towards the end. Out just out of there, he took them to an oasis of palm trees and wells and prosperity. But they had to go through Mara. Mara in the realm of the spirit. It is an experience of life that is bitter towards you. This is a place that every believer will find themselves in. It can kill you or you can come out of that place better. Are you guys with me? Now listen, it goes on. Next verse, listen to this. That just made it worse. Because the place was bitter and the waters was bitter. And the people, say with me, murmured. Another translation says complained against Moses. Saying, what shall we drink? Complaining will bring bitterness. In fact, in the, in, the, in, in the wilderness, when they were also another place where they're also murmuring and complaining, the Bible says that the Lord sent a destroyer against them and killed them. I will be as bold to say that God hates complaining because it is a sign of ungratefulness. What is gratefulness? Gratefulness is a sign that you are righteous. The book of Hebrews says, I am not unrighteous, that I'm, I'm not ungrateful that I'm unrighteous, the Lord is saying. Meaning that when I'm ungrateful as a believer, I am unrighteous. The moment I'm grateful for things, righteousness comes on me. Are you guys with me? Is this confusing? And the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? What is, the, what is Mara in the realm of the Spirit? I'm going to give you a few points here. It is a place of testing that each believer will face somewhere in their lives. It is a silent enemy that terrorizes multitudes. It is a silent enemy that comes against every Christian believer at some point of their lives. It is a place you fall into that is miserable to the taste, miserable to the sight, and everything about you just want to give in there. Say with him, Mara. It is a force that limits your destiny and destroys relationships. It is in that place, you have no, in Mara, you have no sight of the future even. In Mara, hope wants to dissipate. Some of you might identify. If you cannot identify it, just remember this message before it comes. How many of you have ever prayed and asked God to use you? Three. That's great. Okay. 
If you have genuinely prayed that God will use you, you will experience Mara. Because he cannot use you unless he gets... You see, Mara did not cause the bitterness. Mara exposed and revealed the bitterness. It is a test God put them through. They were already thirsty for three days and now God has to give them bitter waters. Are you guys with me? He will put a test upon your life to see how, what is in your heart. He said, I have tested you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, and to see what was in your heart. And the Israelites had bitterness in their heart. South Africa, many people have bitterness in their heart because of what is happening in the country. Are you guys with me? I mean, I just look at the situation and I want to become bitter. I'm thinking, where is my children? Where's my children's future? But the moment I become bitter, that situation will reign and rule over me. Mara, it is a spirit of bitterness. It is a place of confrontation where you will confront things in your life and things coming out of your heart. It is a place of limitation. It is a place of dryness. Everything is dry, spiritually dry. It is a place where dreams are scattered. A place where songs of deliverance become songs of sorrow. It is a place of complaining and murmuring. When you pick up the phone, you complain to somebody. When you speak to another person, you complain to them. It is a place of surprising evil. It is a place where happiness is transformed into bitter limitation. Are you guys with me? It is a place of emotional blindness. It is a place of spiritual blindness. It is a place of disaffection and dissatisfaction. It is a place of destruction of your destiny. It is a place where hope dissipates, as I said. It is a place of unfulfilled expectations. You don't have to write everything down because I'm going to go fast. It's just to get the point through in the spirit. Your spirit man will remember also a lot. Mara is a constant reminder and remembrance of a horrible experience that happened in your life. Mara is a tape that is playing over and over of a trauma that happened to you. It is a place of sickness that has defied medical diagnosis. It is a place where everything in you will be put to the test and put to the fire. Everything in you will be tested. Everything you shouted and say, I am bold, I can do this. Uh, give me the kingdoms, give me the nations. Give me a mil- give me, make me a millionaire with my business, do this. God is saying, I'm gonna put you to the test. Mara is a place where 80% of people fail. Are you guys with me? It is a situation that makes prayer and worship very difficult. It is a place of, uh, of an inability to focus and concentrate. It is a place of wandering thoughts. Does it make sense a little bit? It can subject you to vagabond careers. It is in this place where people make decisions to change their career and they make a wrong decision. And then from there, they become a vagabond. And it goes into their children. And they're all experiencing Mara until somebody steps out of there. They go from one workplace to another workplace to another workplace, and they can never find rest. 
Say with him, Mara. It is a place of regular harassment. It is a place of inability to coordinate your thoughts and actions. You just cannot focus. It is a place of inconsistency and mental instability. It is a place of general lack of productivity. It is a place of laziness. It is a place where your dreams are scattered and buried. It is a very serious matter. It is a place of, uh, of uh, and a situation that has affected many lives. The reason we get into Mara is not because of God. It is because of something that is in our hearts. And God has to use a physical situation and a physical experience to expose that, to make your character clean. You will hate it in the midst of it. You will think that God is unfair. Are you guys with me? Until you get to a place of surrender, and I'm going to give you the keys just now on how to come out of Mara. If you're not careful, Mara can rule over you. It is a place of suicide, death, and frustration. It is a place where suicidal thoughts will come to you. Please understand, all of this starts with bitterness. And these things will happen if I stay in a place of Mara, in a place of bitterness. Are you guys with me? It can prevent your countenance from shining. All of a sudden, you just look depressed. You look down. You just look like you have no joy. Are you guys with me? It is in, it is, it is in this place of Mara is infectious and it is poisonous. And if you don't get out of it, it'll go from generation to generation. If it is not properly handled, generations can end in hellfire in this place. It is in this place where bitterness is turned to unbelief. And unbelief is what caused the people of Israel to never enter the promised land. Go with me to Hebrews chapter number 12 verse 15. Hebrews 12 verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root, the root of bitterness, springing up, troubling you, and thereby little have been defiled. Say with him, many. Many have been defiled. What is this? The root of bitterness. Are you guys with me? Mm, go with it to Hebrews 3 verse 19. Hebrews 3 verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Say with me, unbelief. We could not enter in because of unbelief. So what, what caused the unbelief? Bitterness. Once I enter into a place of bitterness and I stay there, unbelief begins to come into my heart. The moment unbelief comes into my heart, God can no longer work with me. Jesus was at his hometown and he could do no miracle. Why? Because of their unbelief. Mm. Are you guys with me? What is bitterness? Let's look at the word bitterness. It means to be soured. It means to be poisonous to the root. It means there's a poisonous infection in the root somewhere. The, remember it says the root of bitterness. Not the surface. Not the fruit. The root of bitterness will cause poisonous fruit to come forth. 
So you'll see a person that is full of bitterness, they'll react in every situation. They'll get angry with this one. If they are asked a question, they get angry. They'll attack here. They'll defend themselves there. They'll have an excuse here. They'll have a justification there. And they can never associate or be in fellowship with others for a long time. Love is absent from them. Innocence is absent from them. When somebody is bitter, suspicion will be their survival method, mechanism. They'll be suspicious of this one, suspicious of that one. No, no, no. You are in a place of bitterness. You don't have love in your heart the way that you should. You carry bitterness and it is time to get that out of you. You carry Egypt inside of you. Are you guys with me? Why am I doing this this morning? I'm putting an emphasis on bitterness so that it can spark up on your, in your spirit and say, but wait, I deal with this area. This is one of the main roots of deliverance. Bitterness slash unforgiveness. Are you guys with me? Drugs and those things and a cult and that, that's okay. But if somebody refuses to forgive or to let go, not even Jesus could do anything in his own hometown. So what is bitterness? Point number three, I said it is soured and then to be poisonous. It is an infectious poison that spreads to many. By this, many have become defiled. And Paul, uh, well, we believe it is Paul, the writer of Hebrews. Some say it is Luke, some say it is Paul. But nonetheless, it was speaking to Christians. That book, that letter, it was speaking to Christians. It was written to Christians. And he said, listen, the root of bitterness is in you when I see you. Many of you have become defiled because bitterness has taken its root and it's going to begin to cause unbelief. Why do people leave church? Unbelief. They no longer believe or trust in God. You cannot trust the God that you are bitter against. I'm going to say it again. You cannot trust the God that you are bitter in. A lot of people say, I believe in God. No, you actually hate Him. Because you think He did that when you were young. He did that to your parents. He caused your life to, to be miserable as it is. But you have a religious mask that says, I believe, I believe in God. Even the demons said they believe. Are you guys with me? The demons said they believe and trembled. Christians just say they believe, they don't tremble. No, I believe. Let's drink my whiskey and smoke my uh, cigarette on a Sunday. We are probably the first church in South Africa, not the first in South Africa, I'm just speaking at this present time, that is doing a deliverance conference this big. If we had bigger venues, we could have done it bigger. Are you guys with me? But that does deliverance conferences. Now you're going to see many do it. Okay, so when you see the next one doing it, the next one doing it, just know you're in a pioneering church. Just, just know that. And uh, we, want, we want them to do it. Listen, we want them to do it because it is a move of God. The only reason we did it first is because we prophesied that it will happen. And, uh, uh, but you're going to see many people take it up now. Many churches take it up because it's a move that is coming in. There cannot be pure joy. I, I've gone through many deliverances. I've done deliverance on many people. The joy that comes on you 
the freedom that comes on you. God wants you to serve Him with full freedom, with full joy. King David says, return to me the joy of my salvation. Are you guys with me? So, so, so it contaminates, it spreads to many. It poisons families. It contaminates and poisons your relationship with God, bitterness. That's why we have to deal with this root bitterness. It will contaminate even mature people. You can sit in the church and say, I'm mature. It will contaminate you. Bitterness is so powerful that it polluted two million people in the wilderness and it stopped them from going into their purpose. Never think it cannot get hold of you. Never think that you're going to live in God's plan while you have bitterness hidden away. And sometimes we don't know it is there. We've just, we've just covered it and covered it and covered it with so many other surviving mechanisms and covered it with dirt and kept covering it. But unless somebody peers into there, dig into there. Tonight we're going to go into getting very deep with deliverance, digging deeper than just the surface level, Pierce, peering off a layer that, uh, uh, meaning deliverance is different layers. You have the one and then you get deeper and then you get to the place and the point of someone's pain. It's called deeper deliverance. Are you guys with me? Jesus says, that, in fact, the Bible says that Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. The truth shall make you free. The knowledge of the truth. Well, the truth shall make you free. The moment somebody comes with truth, digs into your situation, brings to light a dark crevice or a dark corner that is just uh, covered with darkness. Have you seen, if you look at rats or if you look at uh, cockroaches, uh, even spiders to a degree, but if the lights are off, they will be around. The moment you switch the lights on, they'll run to a dark corner. The moment light comes into your body, the demons doesn't leave necessary. They'll go into certain dark corners, places in your body. Demons sits and lodge in your soul and in your body. Are you guys with me? Why do people vomit? Because they're in their body and they come out on, on uh, the Bible says that the spirit, whether the Holy Spirit, or another spirit is what we call pneuma, air, breath. And the Bible doesn't really differentiate between the two, believe it or not. Even when it gets to the word demon, it is a very difficult word to, to, to uh, interpret, to translate. Very difficult because it's either good or evil. And they had to take it relative to the context of the passage to determine whether it was good or evil. But it comes forth to something that is an evil spirit and that is uh, the evil side is evil spirit, and then there's air or breath that comes out. 90% of people that go through deliverance will feel coughing, will feel vomiting and throwing up once it comes, once the demon comes out. We see it in scripture, and we see it in natural experience without telling people. Now, in encounter, you know, because we don't deliverance a lot, but without telling people, you pray for them and the demon starts coughing itself up and vomiting out. It's not anything that has to be made up. It happens. Are you guys with me? So it pollutes 2 million people. Go there to Mark 4 verse 24. Mark 4 verse 24. 
so when you switch on, as I don't want to go off on what I said, when you switch on the light, these demons, like cockroaches, like rats, goes and hide in dark crevices. And the moment you shine a light on that, that thing exposes itself. A cockroach can stand on their two legs, hissing at you. Are you guys with me? But that corner has to be lit up. There are corners and rooms and places inside of you. We'll get into that maybe tomorrow night. There are different areas. The Bible says you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. A strong man takes his goods and leaves the house. And he brings seven others. And if he comes back and he finds the house empty, he brings them back in, seven stronger than him. You are, say, I am a house, a house. with different rooms. The Bible says, don't give place to the devil, which in the Greek means don't give room inside of you to the devil. There might be a room in your emotional hurt. There might be a room in a sexual area. There might be a room in your marriage, in your family, in your childhood. There might be different rooms that are contaminated. Christians, when you get saved, your main room gets saved. Your spirit is saved. And we live life like that. But the moment somebody opens a door and touches another room, there's a demonic manifestation or we react in a certain way. Have your, have your seats. Mark 4 verse 24, listen to this. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured back to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. Simply the measure I meet, it shall be met back to me. It shall be measured back to me. Bitterness works like this. If you're bitter against somebody, and this is in the context of bitterness, if you're bitter against someone, the demons that that person struggles with will have a soul tied to come and torture your life. The moment you're bitter against somebody, everything you say about them, you will eventually do. I've seen it over and over and over. Even those who attack us, everything. I saw somebody saying, I, 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 Leon's astral traveling and, da, da, da. and we don't do any of that stuff. Got delivered from my third eye a few months after my salvation. Okay, we do deliverance on people whose third eye is open. So this person say, oh, they're making this video, Leon is an astral traveling. A year goes by, a year and a half goes by, I think it was about two months ago, I see on the person's wall they're advocating astral traveling. So the thing they judged me in, they themselves will do. You can judge somebody and they don't do that stuff, you will end up doing that. Oh, are you guys with me? Say with me, the root of bitterness. Say it again, the root of bitterness. So what causes, and I want to kind of like get to an end to say that how we get out of Mara, but I'm just touching on the emotional deliverance for a while. What causes bitterness? Say with me, abuse. Say rejection. Grief. These are things, and I'm going to go a bit on more just now, that can cause bitterness to come up. Remember, the children of Israel were abused. Abuse can cause bitterness. Rejection can cause bitterness. Grief can cause bitterness. Shame, painful experience, trauma, betrayal. Say with me, betrayal. If somebody betrays you, if there's a divorce in a family, 
The enemy looks at you, even though you're not opening up doors. You're not an evil person. He looks at the emotional pain that is in you. And he lodges himself against that. Are you guys with me? Say with me, emotional, painful experience. Say painful experience. Go to Exodus 1 verse 13 again. So what caused Israel to be bitter? Remember Exodus 1 verse 13? It says that the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. Next verse. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. So abuse can cause bitterness to come. When I've gone through abuse, whether sexual abuse, physical abuse, domestic abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, it opens up a door for demon to come and fester on that pain. And the abuser is kind of like going free. Mm -hmm. Are you guys with me? Obviously they have demons. Go with me to Ruth 120. The second thing that causes bitterness, say with a grief, and she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. What did she do? She began to complain and blame God for her situation. And a spirit of grief came upon her. Are you guys with me? Go with me to Job 10 verse 1. Job 10 verse 1. Job, just pray that you never become like Job. My soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I want you to see the language that Job is putting here. This is not a noble, pious, he's angry at God here. Are you guys with me? He's angry and he's blaming God because of the suffering that he went through. Put it in the New Living Translation for me. Let me just read it in a bit of a uh, easier translation. NLT. I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. He says, listen, I am going to complain openly. I'm going to murmur openly to everyone about how bad and disgusting my life is. My bitter soul must complain. What caused Job's life to become like it was? Where everything was taken away. The Bible says that there was a hedge that was broken open. And I'm not going to get into the scripture. But then it says this, that Job said these words. He says, the thing that I fear came upon me. Are you guys with me? He had unbelief in one area of his life. He didn't believe God in an area of his life. And the voice of the enemy was more powerful than the voice of God in that area. Meaning that you're gonna, there was a voice that was speaking to Job. You're going to lose everything. The thing I feared, put that scripture up for me if, if you guys find it in the back. The thing I fear came upon me. I want you to look at demonic open doors. It was an area where he didn't trust God in his life. And many are sitting here and there's voices of destruction. Or there's voices that are saying you're going to go through what your parents go through, went through. You're going to have lack as your parents have lack. 
or everything that you know, this business or this job you have right now, this house or this family, you're going to lose everything. And the moment that voice becomes stronger and stronger and stronger, it becomes unbelief. Listen to this. What I always feared, say with me, always feared, has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. What is the thing in your life that you're fearing? It can be an open door. Are you guys with me? Say with me, God has a purpose for me. Say He has a promise for me. But I need to be delivered. Listen, God wants to take you in your promise. But He's saying, there is something in your heart. So because of that, I must take you through deliverance. I must take you through a process. And this process is going to be painful. Are you guys with me? To get to a promise. Nobody gets to the promise without pain. Mm. Say with me, suffering. Mm. The scripture says, as we suffer with Him, we shall also reign with Him. As we have suffered, we shall also reign with Him. Go through to Exodus 15 verse 25. Let's get to the answer on how to get out of, out of Mara. Mm. This morning I'm just teaching so that tonight we can minister to you. But tonight there's also going to be a strong word and we have to get the word in. So there can be an expectation for deliverance. How do you get out of Mara? Go through the one verse before. Listen to this. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Next verse. And Moses cried unto the Lord. Say with me, he cried. Number one, unless you get to a place in your murmuring where you begin to pray and cry out to God, you're not ready for deliverance yet. Are you guys with me? And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. The book of Galatians says, Cursed be every man that hangs on a tree. The moment I bring Christ who was on the cross into my situation, into my Mara moment, I cannot get delivered. Unless I bring Him in and I put Christ into a bitter situation. Are you guys with me? Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ on my left. Meaning that I look at the cross and I'm saying He died for me on the cross. I have to go through a bitter moment, but I lay my burdens down by Him. I bring Him because as I died with Him, I was raised from life with Him. With resurrection power. Are you guys with me? So what is the solution to get out of your Mara? Say with a prayer or say desperate prayer. <laughs> you are not ready unless you have, you have hit the deck with your knees and cried out to God bitterly, desperately to come into your situation. Until then when you're still like complaining in your situation, embracing your situation, deliverance is not ready yet. God is not ready yet to take you out. There's still layers that has to be taken off. Are you guys with me? The Egyptians said, or Pharaoh said these words when 
the plagues, when Moses said that the plagues can be taken away, the, the frogs, Pharaoh answered him and says, no, do it tomorrow, not today. Meaning Egypt became comfortable with the frogs there. Deliverance was ready at that moment. And Pharaoh says, no, do it tomorrow. Let the frogs be taken tomorrow. Some people said, no, I'm not going to come Saturday. Let it be done tomorrow. You're still comfortable in your situation. Are you frustrated to hell about finances that's not working? Relationships that is not working? Your kids just going on to drugs, your family is broken. Or a curse that is hanging over you, the same thing that happened to your parents, your family is happening with you. Unless you are desperately frustrated, you are not ready for the next level. You can sit comfortably in a one-bedroom flat and you can have a family, but you can be comfortable there and God will never take you out there. But the moment your spirit becomes agitated and frustrated, you say, I, am, I refuse to go back to that place of bondage. Why? Because God has promised a land of milk and honey. He has promised the prosperity of our soul. He has promised the prosperity of our finances. And yes, it is a sign of deliverance, is how your soul prospers, how your finances prospers. Because when you are light, finances is attracted to light. Are you guys with me? People are saying, but we're saying that finances is a relation to our relationship with God. No, 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 have your seats. Finances does, is not a sign whether your life is right with God or not. But it's definitely a sign where you won't have financial bondage the moment you are delivered. You can serve mammon and you can be rich and you can serve mammon and you can be poor. Anyway, people think just rich people serve mammon. No, no, no. You that are saying rich people serve mammon, you serve mammon. Are you guys with me? Mammon is when money has you. Money can have people who have no money. It rules over them like a hard taskmaster. Are you guys with me? So listen, listen, where, where are we? Put on the verse. It's almost finished. Give me like five more minutes. And he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he cast into the waters, which is Christ, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statue and an ordinance. And there he proved them. So with me, he proved them. He tested them. And said, if thou will diligently hearken to the voice, hear the voice, obey, obey the voice of the Lord. Put in the New King James for this one. Because this is important. Listen to this. And he said, if you diligently heed, say with me, heed. Obey the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight. Give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes. Listen. He said, number one, you need prayer to desperately cry out to Him to get out of your Mara, to get out of the place where you are a prisoner of Mara, a captive. Are you guys with me? A prisoner of war. 
you get out of that place. You do it through desperate prayer and crying. Number two, you bring Christ into the situation. I have died with Him as He died upon the cross. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ that lives and dwells and breathes and moves in me. What is it? How do I bring Christ into my situation? I die in the flesh. People are saying, but how do I bring Christ? How do I throw Christ into the waters? I bring Christ into my bitterness and I put my flesh to death. I said I've been crucified with Him as He was on the cross. It is no longer I who live. My will is dead. My flesh is dead. We cast out demons, but we crucify flesh. Are you guys with me? A lot of people want to crucify their demons and cast out their flesh. No, cast, crucify your flesh. When you wake up or you don't want to go to church, you say to your flesh, I will, I'm going to do everything the opposite than what you're saying. So, then say with the obedience, if you heed to the voice of the Lord, if you obey to the voice of the Lord, so you pray, you put Christ, you die to your flesh, you begin to get obedience, then the following will happen. He says, I will remove disease, that none of the diseases I put on the Egyptians will come on you. Let me change the wording there. None of the curses that I put upon the Egyptians will come upon you. Next verse. Then they came to Elam. Say with me, Elam. Where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. Listen to me. He says, I take you through Mara to bring you to a place of Elam. The word Elam means to stick out amongst the others. He said, the moment you go through Mara and you realize the bitterness you have in your heart and you have the ability to take responsibility, you cry out to the Lord, you are obedient to Him, you bring Christ into your situation. I will put the anointing upon you. I will make you stand out and stick out amongst the others. Elam means this, it means tall trees, which means I will put you into a place of leadership. And now instead of a follower, you'll become a leader. You will have a place of influence and you will be lifted and stand out amongst the crowd. My anointing will be upon you. You'll be inaugurated, but I need you to go through Marah. Are you guys with me? Once I go through my Marah, say with me, Elam is there. Canaan is just on the other side. The promise is just on the other side. Stand to your feet for wherever you are. Just raise your hands to the Lord for me. Raise your hands. Say with me. Say, Holy Spirit, deliver me from Mara, from my place of Mara. Deal, help me deal with bitterness. I choose to take responsibility. I choose to pray to use Christ to crucify my flesh, to be obedient to the Word of God, to be obedient to your voice, to get into a place of Elam. In Jesus' mighty name, forgive me 
for any bitterness, for any anguish of the soul, for any situation that has been done against me without my consent. Bitter bondage and abuse and grief where I have blamed you forgive me where I have where I have complained to you forgive me in Jesus mighty name I release those that have hurt me I release and forgive those that have abused me betrayed me shamed me and caused painful experiences I forgive them and I choose you today I choose to be obedient fill me with the Holy Ghost let the light of God let the light of Jesus Christ come into every dark crevice every corner every hidden place and room in my spirit man in my body I receive deliverance by the blood of Jesus Christ this conference I am free and free indeed come and declare it I am free and free indeed I will serve your purpose with freedom in Jesus mighty name with joy with no anguish of soul I receive the joy of my salvation to serve you with a passion remove the spirit of heaviness and bondage from my life I lose my reputation today in Jesus name I receive your deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ just keep your hands raised father I pray right now let the anointing be extended let it be transferred to them I pray this is just foundational this morning tonight we're gonna get deeper let your light come into every area let every demonic spirit as I serve an eviction notice right now as they step their foot into this place deliverance is at hand this is a place where chains will be broken bondages will be broken yokes will be lifted Holy Spirit by the power of God begin to bring to them remembrance as they leave this place of areas and situations in their lives whether they've gone through deliverance or not yet bring a remembrance and an exposure of deeper things make encounter and those who have come to receive a people of substance let us be a ministry in a church that serves you with substance and not just subsurface level let the fullness of your spirit be poured out upon them tonight tomorrow night let the fullness the depths of God let deep cry out unto deep let every deep place of theirs that needs deliverance and freedom and salvation and healing cry out unto your deep let the spirit who searches the deep things enter into them and begin to move
and expel things and areas that's not supposed to be there. The things that they said is impossible. The things that they said is a bondage and they will not get free from. Where the enemy has desired to take them from a childhood. I pray for your deliverance. And let us start working from now already. Let the eyes be opened in the spirit now. In Jesus' name. Let the eyes of the imagination be opened now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let them see the past and the present and the future. Let them see the hidden things in their lives. Things they were unaware of. I pray for the anointing of deliverance to begin to make that present. In Jesus' name, I give you all the honor, the praise and the glory. I give you all the honor for what you're about to do in this place. I give you all the honor for every service in this Expel Conference. Our only desire is to see your people free, to serve and do the purposes of God for their life, the destiny and the promise of God for their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's give a praise of our church. Come on, praise him, praise him. Zera.